in the quaint Midwestern town. The residents were not prepared for what would rock the foundation of their village. A town full of corruption with a seething underbelly was about to be brought to light. A family searching for answers, hoping that the ones meant to protect them would do just that. Um, oh, Ru Rudy. Oh, uh, Rudy. hey, hey, Barrel Roller. Rudy. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, I was sitting here setting up for the the podcast, uh, and I was. What uh, are you? Uh, question. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? <clears throat> well, um, I hey, um, good, good to see you. Didn't see you there. Um, I've you know I've always wanted to do a true crime podcast. They're they're pretty big. People love those, and I figured I don't really have time to do one, so I'd try and combine a true crime with the Royal Out the Barrel show. You know. Uh, what what was the crime? It was a crime of passion. <laughs> They always are with you. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so you want, like, we got to get to the interview. We got to. You, you know, and honestly, <laughs> I, I still have a little bit more investigating to do. So, yeah, it's fine. We get to the interview. The, cut to the end. Who did it? <clears throat> the, the husband. It's always the husband. I was going to say the butler, but that's weak. Hey, it's Roller Around the Barrel Show. Talking to vintage baseball players from Coast Coast Butter Butter. Uh, this week we have two fine guests right here on the podcast. We're gonna we're talking to people in warm weather. Duh. Uh. <laughs> uh, I am your host, Barrel Roller Matthew Bernard. I am joined by my co-host uh, and life partner Rudy Swamp Fox Frius. Rudy, talk to the people, would you? Oh, you know, hello, everyone. Oh, I'm just so excited. I look forward to Monday evenings every week, and this this evening has not let me down. Uh, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to go right out. Uh, Bill Palafron, I, I, there's no way I pronounced that right, uh, but we're going to bring him in. William, for all the way from Florida, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. You were close. It's Palafrone, but uh, it's pretty pretty close. Closer than some of the people that uh, call me on the phone. <laughs> Palafrone, is that right? Palafrone, yeah. Palafrone. I'm I'm just supposed to say it faster, so you don't really notice. Palafrone. Yeah, that's Polifron. the secret. <laughs> uh, Bill, you are synonymous with Florida vintage baseball, uh, and right now. We can do nothing but think of you because of how warm it is where you are and how cold it is where we are and how wonderful that would be to be able to play baseball, except when it gets into the hundreds. Uh, Bill, you had an event just two weekends ago that uh, my shadow team, the Canton Corn Shuckers, uh, were there. And notice, <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> but uh, but I almost was. <laughs> plans started and then plans stopped. But uh Bill, before you before you get time to uh regale in the vintage baseball scene in Florida for everybody, tell us how that event went a couple weekends ago. 
Uh, I've gotten good feedback from the participants, so I'm uh, I'm going to take that uh, with a good grain of salt that uh, it went well. Uh, the The weather was perfect. It was uh, well, perfect. I, I'd say for for if you're in, in Florida, because uh, we're in a little bit of a heat wave here, so it was like 85 degrees at uh, at uh, game time on uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, of the event. Uh, so uh, for us, it was it was warm. I'm sure it was really warm for the participants. Uh, uh, Brooklyn came down the Atlantic's, and uh, of course the the corn shockers as. Uh, you alluded to. Uh, so we had um, four games on Saturday um, against uh, the traveling teams took on the the home teams. Um, so uh, I can I, I actually have the scores. So the, the awkwards and the Atlantics played first. Uh, the Atlantics won 10 to 6. Uh, then the Vagabonds played the Corn Shuckers uh, and the Corn Shuckers won 17 to 0. Uh, and then the Vagabonds played the Atlantics. Uh, the Atlantics won 17 to four. And then the Canton Corn Shuckers took on the Awkwards and uh, um, uh, just say they laid down a butt whooping of uh, 32 to three. And then um, Sunday, uh, since both teams uh, were undefeated, the Canton Corn Shuckers took on the Atlantics and they put a thrashing to them too, 35 to 10. Uh, I can say uh, the first time ever playing the Canton Corn Shuckers that um, they're impressive on the field, really, really impressive uh, to, to watch. Uh, they can hit the gaps with almost, almost at will. Uh, the championship game saw six home runs uh, all through long hit gappers into the outfield. <laughs> oh, wow. Now it's, it's tough for you guys and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the Florida vintage baseball scene hasn't been around very long. The reincarnation, and you can tell us some of the history here in a second, but when you get teams like the Brooklyn Atlantics and the Canton corn shuckers come down to Florida, you're anticipating an ass whooping right now. I mean, is you just haven't you haven't been around long enough with that caliber of talent coming down uh, to Florida. So you're trying to establish events and establish relationships, but you also understand what's going to be in store for you on the field as of right now. Now that's not what the future holds for Florida Vintage <laughs> Baseball, but as of right now, you have to understand that, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> we knew that going in. Um, seeing as yeah, the Florida baseball scene only started in 2015, so hasn't been around that long, um, you know. And we're still trying to get um, cohesiveness of of the the core players on all the teams. So uh, yeah, we we knew that there would be uh, a little bit of um, disparity between the the skill levels of these clubs that have been around for a long time against, you know, clubs have pretty much are still in their infancy. Uh, we're talking to William Polifron, uh from the vintage baseball scene. Uh, captain of the Awkwards, is that still true? It's still true. Let me ask you this. You guys were at the Ohio Cup last year. Who was playing shortstop for the Awkwards? Uh, that uh, is... Uh, Tito Martinez, we call him Chatterbox. 
Yes. Uh, could you pass along a message to him that I would love to have him as a guest on the show? Uh, I, I talked to him, along. I talked to him at the Ohio Cup. He's a great dude. Yeah, and pass along this message to him from me that I would not like to have him as a guest on the show, just to have that conflict and see what he does. I will pass along both messages. Okay. Uh, Thank you. He, he has no no fear of talking let's put it that way yeah uh, that's what we like here on the show uh bill uh tell us uh in the time that you have left tell us about uh vintage baseball reincarnation in florida and maybe some of the history of the past that people don't have any idea about when it comes to florida uh yeah so um we finally have three teams uh, in Florida. Uh, the um, Bradenton Shamrocks are on their first year uh, as a team. Um, so that's been helpful uh, to have more than two teams because you can only play the same set of clubs this, so many times before it, it becomes, okay, this is, this is kind of, getting annoying. Um, so we're happy to have a third club and, uh, you know, our, our sites aren't set for that. We would love to have, you know, if we could have eight or more teams in Florida, that's, that's the long-term goal here. Um, but first we have to keep going with the, um, you know, um, solidifying the three that we already do have, um, because every year it seems like you always have to be recruiting, 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 recruiting. And it's not just a Florida thing. That's, that's a vintage baseball thing everywhere. Um, let's see. Uh, what else on the Florida front? Uh, next, next year in 2024, we're going to have uh, host the VBBA annual conference in Fort Myers. Nice. Uh, so that's... Nice. Huge news for the Florida yeah. uh, baseball scene. Oh, did you just break news? Are they going to get mad at you? Is that breaking news? <laughs> you heard it no, here no, first, no. folks. <laughs> <laughs> we break all the news. I haven't seen anything on that. We break all the news right here on Roller Roll the Barrel. VBBA conference coming to you from Fort Myers, Florida in uh, 2024. You're welcome, world. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bill, have you attended any of the VBBA conferences? Uh, yes, uh, and I'm I'm going in um, to the this year's in Dayton. Uh, that'll be my third one attending. Uh, I attended last year's, and then the, it's been many years since I attended um, the first one. That was probably around 2003. 2004 or something like that. Rudy, are you doing anything with the VBABA conference in uh, Dayton? No. I mean, <clears throat> I was planning on attending. It depends on when uh, uh, my son's birthday party will be falling, uh, but because uh, it's right around that time. Um, no, I hadn't made any plans. I mean, if anything, I was thinking about going and checking it out because I haven't been to one since. I'm, I'm lazy. I haven't been to one since it was here in Columbus. So. Oh, well, you were, you kind of uh, uh, attended the one that was on Zoom during the pandemic. Oh, 
Well, yeah, that, I presented for two years. Right, that doesn't count though, because like they don't want to yeah. give LeBron his championship in the bubble, so I can't give you that attendance. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. Uh, Bill, have you done any presenting at the VBBA conferences about Florida? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Um, I have wonderful teammates that would be much better at presenting than I than I would. All right, we're breaking it here. In 2024, Fort Myers <laughs> VBBA conference, you'll be having uh, presentations from the awkwards, uh, the guys, <laughs> the guys who can't shut up. <laughs> yeah, we have one 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 nickname Chatterbox, and the other one nicknamed Motormouth. So uh, they 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 love to talk. <laughs> I love that, but that's fine, uh, Bill. Uh, how much of a major league baseball fan are you currently? Uh, I'm actually, I'm actually at some crossroads that even like a minor league game is can be just as entertaining as major league. I think major league is is starting to get their pricing some of their fans out. If you ask me, I, I would. I would be happy to watch some low A game and spend six dollars on a ticket and um, be close to the action instead of paying. You know, uh, Tropicana Field isn't that expensive, but um, uh, there's other other cities where, yeah, you try to bring a family of four to a baseball game and you're you're probably dropping a couple hundred bucks or more. Uh, Rudy, I'm always amazed at uh, the number of vintage baseball players we talk to that have a less interest in the major league product than they do in minor league baseball or some other stuff. Uh, how do you feel about it? Um, you know what? I feel <clears throat> the connection is stronger in the minor leagues and single A and independent and all that because the focus is more on the fan experience and it feels like a more accessible baseball game. Um, like just to me in general, I feel like in the lower levels in a ball, it's, you know, you're going to get the, not these giant stadiums. You're going to get a, a smaller park, a little more intimate. And, you know, it, it really rallies around, you know, these towns, these small towns that represent these teams. I feel like that's what dr the draw is. Do you like all that barrel roller, the, uh, you know, single A? Well, we, we have a developmental A uh, club here close to home. It's the Great Lakes Loons. And we've seen people like Clayton Kershaw come through here, D Brown, maybe a couple others. Uh, but really, for the most part, you never hear these names again. And uh, Dow, uh, the large corporation that it is, has backed the Great Lakes Loon. So the stadium is fantastic. It's a great baseball atmosphere. The baseball isn't that great because they're develop they're fresh out of high school. I mean, they're developmental. And uh, if they show any promise whatsoever, they're gone. So there's no relationships uh, here. And uh, so on a, on a personal level, uh, I'm I'm much like would rather be around a major league baseball team. Uh, really? Because they're with the teams longer. And, and when they move to another team, it's, it's such a mainstream sport that you still can keep track of them and see them, uh, what they're doing with other teams. I know there's a lot of movement nowadays, so not cool. 
but uh, <clears throat> but I will say I just tuned in for the first time to a spring training game to check out that pitch clock, and I love it. I big fan. Love it. Uh, the pace is much. I mean, it's the baseball player's fault. Back in the 80s, <laughs> baseball games weren't lasting but two and a half hours. And then it just kept yeah. going up, 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 and up. And it's just because of the players and all the nonsense they were doing. And Max Scherzer, by the way, the other night, Max Scherzer was was screwing with the clock so much. Yes. It was annoying. It was annoying me. I, I, I'm glad <laughs> I wasn't watching the game. I saw, like, on SportsCenter, the, the games he was well, playing with the pitch clock. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I love it as well. And, you know, people, you know, not to take up too much time and bring it back to Bill, I feel like who really got their finger on the pulse immediately about what baseball, how to get baseball back uh, to a more inclusive, like, experience for everyone are the Savannah Bananas. And um, my cousin is... Bananas. <laughs> My cousin is actually going to be uh, doing an internship with the Savannah Bananas front office this summer, or actually, actually, no, next week down in Georgia. So that's going to be a, a great experience. And I know that because Bill, I believe, didn't you get into the lottery for tickets? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I got to see them at the, in, in Tampa. It's the first time they've come to Tampa. So that's amazing. looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. I feel I like baseball. Fan. Yeah fan interaction you know the the something that that can tie to the fans that they can they can enjoy yeah um, and barrel roller you'll like this all concessions at savannah banana games free what and you can bring in your own cooler of food or drink to the savannah banana games really that's mm-hmm. nuts yeah they got something going on there it's not baseball but it's it's like it's like professional it's wrestling baseball, baseball. Oh, here we go. Well, Get off is. my lawn. Well, it is. Uh, here we go. I'm not saying there's anything wrong no. with it. Oh. I'm just saying it's different. It's not baseball. It's not the same thing. It's baseball. I mean, Whatever. yeah. Hey. <laughs> but let ba- me, let... like how baseball's cricket. But did the Harlem Globetrotters really play basketball? I, I mean... <laughs> They won every night, Ooh. Bill. <laughs> they only lost once. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> you got to put the basket, the ball in the basket to get those points. They won every night. Oh, my goodness. Incredible talent. Uh, um, can I – I wanted to follow up. What else is in, in store for uh, Central Florida baseball there, Bill? I mean, you – I mean, honestly, you guys are – you got two of the most revered clubs – in vintage baseball, in my opinion, uh, down for an event. It's obviously growing from, I think the last time I was down there was seven years ago. Uh, what's in store for uh, Central Florida vintage baseball? Besides the the, the VBBA, obviously, we broke that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we have um, Terry Park. Uh, we've been doing it. This is going to be the fourth year that we're doing it. Um, Last year we were able to get um, teams from up north. This this year, uh, last minute cancellations uh, happened. So now it's only the three uh, clubs in Florida taking part in this. Um, but um, uh, we're hoping to have the Kissimmee Cup get to that point too. Uh, 
this was our first one. Uh, we're hoping to keep annual tradition of that going. Uh, the Pine Castle Pioneer Festival that that hosts us uh, hosted the Kissimmee Cup. That's our third year being with them, so we're starting to build a good relationship there. And um, uh, Zolfo Springs, uh, we started this year playing games at the Pioneer Village in Zolfo Springs, and they really love having us there. So. Uh, we're going to try to actually, it, it's, I try to describe, it's kind of middle ground between Orlando, Fort Myers, and Bradenton. Um, so the traveling between all these cities, rather than having to spend three hours to get there, you know, it's like a, an hour and a half for the furthest club away. So okay. we're going to be looking to push uh, even more games to to Zolfo Springs because um, their their grounds there are like where where they have us put the field is wide open except for one tree in middle of center field. But other than that, it's it's wide open and uh, a beautiful beautiful place to to play ball. So. We'll, we'll be exercising that a little more. And um, yeah, we're like, like I said, we're still recruiting. So if anybody out there and listening to the podcast knows somebody that's interested in playing and is in Florida, have them look up one of the teams that's closest to them. Um, like I said, recruiting is a nonstop thing, but uh, that's, it's not, <laughs> it's not only us, it's everybody. <laughs> Preach, so, including yeah. grocery stores, Bill, uh, thanks for being on the show. Uh, thanks, thanks for giving us a little insight into what it's like in the warmer weather right now where baseball is actually happening. Uh, uh, was great to see you last year at the Ohio Cup, and I know that our paths will cross in the near future. You'll probably see Rudy before me. He's a man, a man amongst the world. But uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. I hope you have a good night. I hope you have a good season. And uh, by the way, trees in the outfield add character. So uh, I, I suggest you plant a couple more. Rudy? <laughs> oh, no, Bill, this is such a treat. It's so good to talk to you. You uh, stay safe down there. And, uh, yeah, have a great season, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for having uh, me. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. See you later, buddy. Have a good night. Yeah. Bye. Hey, Rudy, uh, before we uh, – is Darren here yet? Um. In, yeah, it says John entered the waiting room. So, I mean, I'm sure it's that's probably his government name or an alias. Oh, interesting. Hey, uh, before we bring him in, let me look at the time here. Oh, uh, hey, I watched Casablanca last night for the first time ever. I've been on this kick recently of watching old movies. I have to admit, okay. I don't watch old movies. I haven't my entire life because I feel not... I don't feel like they're going to suck. I feel like they're going to suck because of the movies that we can watch nowadays, not because that they sucked at their time, right? Does, uh-huh. you, does that make yeah. any sense to you? No, or, it makes or, perfect sense. Whatever. Uh, Casablanca. Uh, it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. It's not it's terrible. Okay. It's uh, it's not as good as uh, White Christmas and uh, what's the other holiday one I just watched for the first time lately? Uh, what a Wonderful Life. Uh, those are two really good movies. Uh, but <laughs> Casablanca, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Still not great. 
but still, yeah, it was all right. Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall uh, got married in Malabar Farms, Ohio, which is just north, about 45 minutes north of Columbus, 40 an hour, rough hour to of Columbus. Uh, Louis Bromfeld, the writer, playwright extraordinaire. Um, uh, yeah, they got married at his estate. So that's my callback connection to Casablanca. All right. And before we bring in Darren, I got a tip. I want to talk about two more things quick. One, if you're watching the show, The Last of Us, uh, it's a big show right now. And I think there's only one more episode left uh, next week. Uh, Three episodes ago, there was a scene. There was a scene where they're in this cabin and there's this older... Uh, native couple that lived in the cabin out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, mm-hmm. the gentleman of the married couple was in a little vehicle. You might know a little Bruce Willis vehicle as <laughs> uh, Die Hard 3 as uh, one of the police officers, the one that was trying to sober him yeah. up in the van uh, yeah. and and ran to the roof with the children when they thought the school was going to explode. Wait, that guy ain't dead? That, that guy ain't dead. He's still alive and kicking in The Last of Us. Also this week, Tom Sizemore passed away. Uh, and you might yeah. know him from a little ditty, a Bruce Willis vehicle, uh, as his cousin in Striking Distance. Uh, and I think we just brought up Striking Distance a couple of weeks ago. And I suggest <laughs> that to everybody uh, as well. Hey, let's bring in John. I mean, <laughs> Darren Tenney from Arizona. And or John. If, or John. We don't know. We don't know. It could be. It says John. You know, so. what I miss about these settings that aren't working is you don't get to listen to the failed Titanic theme anymore. Oh, my God. What I just played it. <laughs> I hear it in my heart. Does that count? Uh, your heart will go on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay. Hello, John. Is that you? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> is... yeah, let's see if I can get the camera working here. Rudy wants to yeah. know if John is your government name. John's my government name. Oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. It was a tough transition for me because I went by my middle name, Darren, growing up because there were two other guys, my dad and my granddad, named John. Uh-huh. So if the phone rang, especially when I was a teenager, and I always had somebody looking for me, yeah. Yep. Darren, do you see people talking about my dad? The rest were my dad. So that's oh. awesome. All we, right. <laughs> let me get... as as an individual who is familiar with a, uh, going by stage names, and uh, my name is Rodolfo, and so Rudy. Like I can totally relate to that. Uh, let me give him. Let me give him an intro uh, worthy uh, yeah. instead of us just randomly bringing people into the Zoom. Which I like the comfortableness of it. But let's let people know who's in the room. Uh, straight from another warm state, as we just got warmed up in Florida. Now here we are going out to Arizona. He is synonymous, or was, and we're going to get into that with Arizona vintage baseball. He is the author of a book, Baseball and Territorial Arizona: A History, eighteen sixty-three to nineteen twelve. You can buy that on the Amazon right now. It'll be at your house tomorrow. There's only one copy left, brand new. I know. Come on, guys, somebody snag it. I was going to buy <laughs> it, but it wasn't going to be here in time, and uh, 
So, uh, but it says there's more on the way. Is this true? You know, it is. And let's put the good folks at McFarland to work. I mean, you know, they need the business. <laughs> so, uh, yes, it's Darren Tenney. Darren, how you doing? Hey, guys. Hey, good to be on the show. Uh, longtime listener. That's fan and You're lying. Baseball geek. <laughs> you, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. You're My old. condolences for that. <laughs> Oh, really, I enjoy what you guys do. Oh, yeah, I do. I sometimes I do nice too. To, well, it's <laughs> nice to plug in, uh, especially I've been pointing everybody out here in Arizona to start listening to your podcast because it's a great way to plug in and get connected and stay connected with the national scene. So, uh, yeah, and we just started, uh, you know, doing more Arizona, uh, the things, uh, in the areas where there's not a lot of vintage baseball going on in these reincarnated areas like California. I mean, they do have a lot of vintage baseball, but Rudy and I come from an area where it's way oversaturated. And uh, so California, (laughs) Arizona, (laughs) Florida, uh, you know, those places where they don't have a lot of teams, Colorado, uh, you know, they, they enjoy their vintage baseball. It's just a different scale than what, we're used to and once we started hitting those spots the the reaction and response was incredible so we have i mean we get more of a response from the west and the south and the east than we do the midwest i think it's because i'm always bad talking midwest vintage baseball maybe i should stop that rudy should i stop <laughs> no, don't 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 go change <laughs> no 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 if you, if you don't well if you've been almost typecast or if you typecast yourself you better stick with it it's a character it's a character that yeah, everybody got believes. that going you got it firmly established <laughs> the, the writer of me says you know don't don't upset the apple cart uh so darren what what we're going to do is we're going to talk about you and in vintage baseball and everything arizona vintage baseball from the beginning up until you revealed to me you've kind of broken up with vintage baseball a little bit emotionally and we're going to try to get you back in love with it and back on the scene we'll see what happens and then we'll have a news break in the middle and then after the news break uh, we will uh, get into more about you on a personal level and how you used to or still do sell life insurance. Is that the most boring job in the world? <laughs> no, I do not sell life insurance. <laughs> Thank God. But we're going to find out what you I actually escaped. do and and stuff like that. And did you bring a guitar? Uh, no, but I can get one. I mean, I can easily set one up like quickly with like a little tooth. Like I've got a portable amp that's in the other room that I can grab. All right, sweet. So what we're going to do here is halfway through, we're going to, we have a three minute break. We take, we, we do a news break uh, with Jonathan Macklin. And when we start that, you can set up a guitar during that time and we'll be ready to go after that. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, (laughs) I'm excited. I'll I'll see what I can do. All right. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Darren, let's start uh, with you. In the very beginning, how do you come across vintage baseball, and and how did you fall in love with it so much that you you put so much effort into it? Well, way this is gosh, it's been a long time. Uh, we're talking like two thousand six, two thousand seven. Uh, I was really more curious. I was at work, bored. I mean, just bored. 
you know, I got, yeah. I got stuck in the stock room, like doing shipping and stuff. I'm like, okay, I've been done for a while with my day-to-day stuff and I got to have something to do to make me look busy. Uh, so I started looking online for certain stuff and it was more of a of curiosity to see the history in Arizona, who was here before. And it's kind of went down this rabbit hole, just doing a bunch of Google searches. And I stumbled onto the Vintage Baseball Association website and had my mind blown by just going through it. Like, okay, there got to be somebody in my area. There's got to be somebody here, here in Arizona. Nobody. Nobody in California. But okay, but in Mexico, I'm like, okay, that's three. Uh, so I was like kind of stonewalled and went, okay, let's put this down for a little while. Because I went through it and I was just enthralled. I found the whole idea, just Civil War era baseball to be beyond romantic. I don't know why. Uh, and so I let put it down for a while. And it was kind of one of those ideas that just never really leaves you alone. And so it kept popping back up and popping back up. And it's one of those things where you kind of know that if you just wanted to play, then you got to do something yourself. And so that's kind of where I started is I just started posting flyers at softball parks in the, uh, was it the Northwest Phoenix area? In Glendale, North, North Phoenix. Let me and ask you, let me ask you before really you move on. Just started. Darren, before you move on past that, I'm curious when you were putting flyers yeah. up at the softball fields, what was the reaction from the people that weren't interested? Were you getting, you know, were you getting jokes and all that? Curiosity. Oh yeah. They're like, people were just like, they didn't know what to make of it. They really didn't. And I remember that really came into play because we were doing um, more like, I guess it was like tryouts and scrimmages and stuff. When we did eventually form another team, we would go, we would go out to the same place that I had posted flyers and people would stop by, but they never really knew what to make of it. So it would, wouldn't stay for too long. And so, yeah, I got a lot of jokes. Like, what is that? What are you talking about? Planes out of glove? You're crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're totally crazy. Uh, especially, I remember after one night and we were doing infield practice and we had a kid from Grand Canyon University and we were just doing double play practice and i remember he turned one and yeah he fed me like the hottest ball that i've ever been hit with on base i don't know how i did not break my hand caught it with one hand and flipped it to first i do to this day do not know i didn't shatter my own my right hand oh man but it just oh my hand burned for days (laughs) it was just like oh my god he just lit me up and like but people didn't really know what to do with it. So, you know, for out here, it, it's because we're, we're so urban. And, yeah, so we struggled with that, getting out of the identity of just being another baseball product. And, uh, yeah, the first thing everybody talks about is the no glove. Uh, yeah, but it's so iconic. Everybody thinks you got to have a glove. I'm like, no, no. But, but the uniforms. Uh, oh, yeah. The uniforms is what draws everybody in. The the true, yes, you know. And uh, so, what were some of the early uniforms and teams that you were coming across in the history of Arizona? 
So everything begins with the military, military posts, and especially in places like uh, at the time that were large population centers, which would, would have been Tucson and Prescott, uh, especially, you know, Tombstone. And on the cover of the book, okay, you see the, all these dudes? That was taken in 1887, August 14th, on the grounds of Fort Lowell in Tucson. I know that because I actually dated the photo. I know the guy who owns the original. So he kind of went back and forth and he's like, if you could find a date, I would love you forever. Two weeks later, I had the article in hand saying, yeah, well, I even know the guy who took the photo who eventually turned out to be uh, one of Arizona's earliest state senators and governors uh, made by the photographer by the name of Rhodes. Wow. So you got found guys that were really never officially like super uniformed. They were just playing in the shirt sleeves rolled up and the most uniform thing that they had about them uh, were the pillbox cups. Um, I think the first club that ever dubbed itself as a uniform team came out of Fort Huachuca in 1884, where you could tell that they actually had sent away and, and paid for uniforms in 1884. So it feeds to the look of the guys on the cover, which is around 1887. So that's where it really starts is the military. The military brought it out here. And for years, I've been trying to nail down the guy uh, who was a captain of the 5th Cavalry up at Fort Fort Hualpai in uh, Prescott. His name is Captain John Mason. And I'm pretty sure that that cat had everything to do. And this is the world's first. I'm pretty sure that's who brought baseball to Arizona was Captain John Mason because I've been able to kind of search his military record for his career and he was in he was doing posts as far back as you know the upper Midwest and he even had uh, service contact with the group with uh, the Ben teams. Everybody knows the Ben teams, and so really it was like trying to find all this stuff and it just took a while. And so really the early stuff is all about the military because then they would branch out into towns and say, okay, we're going to help form a nine and get everybody going so they could, you know, play back and forth when they had time and then we're not out of patrol. I got two questions, two questions uh, up to this point. One, it starts in 1884. Are they starting with overhand baseball? Are they playing by current day 84 rules or did they bring a past product to Arizona and start with that? You know, I'm because of the remoteness. And I think they were dealing with a past product. Uh, it was the late 1870s. But I also believe that the like Arizona never really saw uh, the one piece ball used. We started using the two, the, the, uh, the figure eight ball. I think they were using an 1870s product because you see activity start in the 1870s and then carry forward. So I think they're using an 1870s product. Uh, that's how it starts. And definitely, you know, with newspapers coming in, because a lot of these got everybody's from back east. So they're getting all those product advertisements and newspapers and magazines like Harper's Weekly and newspapers from New York City, Philadelphia, Boston, Chicago. They're all coming in, right? So 
they're getting the information one way or another. And so, yeah, I really do think when it picks up that they actually are using uh, late an 1870s, right in the very early infancy, dare I say, of the National League. My second question is, why do guitar players always refer to people as cats? I have no idea. All right. I, just, I thought that was a jazz player <laughs> thing. <laughs> is it, is it jazz? Man. I don't know. It's I'm incredibly cool. <laughs> I have no idea why Come jazz on. guys do that. Like, I have no idea. They're like, eh. Can you tell us? I, I never. <laughs> can you no t- tell us when, uh, when baseball is starting in Arizona, what time of the year they're trying to play? They played all year round, dude. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, I heard people's like, oh, they're not playing out in the summer. I'm like, yeah, they did. It's because the weather was so much different than it is now. Good point. Very much different. Okay. The metropolitan Phoenix area, like, we have that, we've got a heat bubble going on just because of how much asphalt, concrete, and all the other stuff that comes in, pollution, all that stuff. So, and looking through all the newspapers, one thing I did kind of keep in mind of is all the ambient temperatures that were going on. I didn't see anything peak above 95 degrees. And that's tolerable. Well, yeah. It may not be super comfortable, but it is tolerable. You're not going to drop over. So I, the weather was just much different than it is now, you know, because of, you know, we've changed kind of changed everything um so they you know they were more looking at baseball as a diversion and it was like okay we'll put together stuff for new year's christmas thanksgiving uh obviously fourth of july uh, was big and then you know when they had time then yeah they did have teams a little bit later on as the indian wars were dying down uh after 1890 you know you see the indian wars finally conclude and then then you start seeing tours where teams are going on these small regional circuit tours. Wow. Because they didn't have the time and the economy was changing and things were just becoming less transient because Arizona is very transient. It's very hard to make a living out here. And a lot of people were savvy enough to think, okay, well, if it ain't going to work out, I got to make a decision. Push on to California or do you stay here and risk it all? Most people chose to push on. Okay. Because they knew they had a better chance of success out in California. When these teams start traveling around and everything, you said it started with the military. Uh, is the military kind of not as involved at this point? Is it just leftover people from the military that are continuing on the, the baseball? or Because when you start traveling around with baseball, you kind of lose the military aspect of it, do you not? Uh, in in certain spots, you do. Um, but in these in this day, actually, there there were actual groups of soldiers that were on leave, but they would go over. And like, and then I, I'll use the example of uh, Tombstone and Fort Huachuca because they're really you know kind of real close to each other. Uh, the soldiers would wander into Tombstone was a form of entertainment and so they was like yeah we'd have there and then later they would do informal games when the soldiers had the time they were they were actually on post because they were playing in the middle of post so 
we never had anything like formal because I was just kind of, it was always against what the military does. It's like, you're a soldier first, you know, we'll give you some free time. Then you can go play baseball. How much did the military uh, like the baseball? Did they enjoy their soldiers playing it? Were there high ranking officials playing in it or did they just view it as kind of an exercise extracurricular activity? Well, here, uh, when you have places like Yuma being accurately described as the, probably the worst post in the army because of how hot, dirty, and just awful the post was, uh, soldiers, oh yeah, being out here in the territory was hard sledding for a bunch of different reasons. And the quickest way to get dismissed from guard duty or any of the other duties on post was to show up drunk. So obsessed. So early on, you know, the post commanders are like, yeah, we need our uh, first sergeant to say, hey, we got to get these young guys a way to get rid of some of this extra energy. So they did like baseball. And there were there are records of uh, officers playing with enlisted uh, as a form of just, hey, yeah, we can all come together, have you know, cohesion. And, you know, and have a, have a great time. But yeah, they did. It was a form of, yeah, we got to keep control of young, younger soldiers out on the frontier. And we're trying to keep their behavior because, yeah, very stressful out here. Absolutely. Uh, Rudy, how much? Question? Yeah. Uh, how, like, was this an immediate draw? Was it like, like a duck to water for you was this immediate like like delving into the history or i mean and was it easily accessible or like like as far as finding out the answer to your questions well uh, that's a great question oh, it's a really deep question holy shit did you hear that barrel roller it's a great that's question deep, dude I... that was a very good question i want to hear the answer to this question <laughs> this is good um <laughs> You know, I found that the more questions you ask, the deeper the rabbit hole goes. And this is so true because I started out with a Sabre publication and entitled From Mining Town to Major Leagues, which is now out of print. So I happened to grab one. And it was the lead article by Dr. the late Dr. Jeb Stuart Rosebrook Sr. His son is the editor of True West Magazine now. So it was that article. By his dad, it was like, oh, okay, that left me with so many questions about other places, other times, the military thing, everything. And so what it did is it kind of gave me this giant shove into, okay, no one else has written about this beyond this article. There's got to be more. And at first, it was somewhat easy because there's partial stuff that was digitized, not very much. And so I've got forced into having to, you know, go, go to the ground or go to ground uh, and actually going to all these institutions to look at microfilm. And it started at Arizona State University and I looked through their collection and I went through the Arizona, a couple of historical societies and organizations that were associated with ASU. And I went through their collections Um I had to do a lot of work with some you know, administrators on the state level because getting access to state stuff was restricted because of budget. Um, 
So yeah, I had to work through channels, but a lot of times it was not very easily accessible. Um, I made a lot of trips to Tucson for the main holdings of the Arizona Historical Society because there's still, as much as there is, most of it is not digitized. You see less than 5% of it digitized. So it really forces you to go to ground. And you, you got to sit there and read everything two or three times to make sure you haven't missed anything. And so it was a very slow, painstaking process. And so there was a lot of stuff that, that I was afraid that I would miss. And so I slowed down a lot just to kind of cast a very wide net. But at first it was when you start finding teams and then you would lose things, like they would just disappear. And you'd be so addicted to the games and finding the people especially when the papers would describe their uniforms. Boom. It was mind-blowing. Right. I remember feeling goosebumps two or three times reading newspaper accounts when they were describing what the uniforms actually look like. Wow. Her color, like Tucson, globe, telling me, yeah, white, and all the trimmings. And I'm like, you know, goosebumps. Just reading all these, you know, really these ancient newspapers going, oh, my God, this is just this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. Yeah. And for me, reading through this stuff, I could mentally see the picture of seeing, you know, just how locals reacted to it because it was always a heavy draw Wow. way back when. And so that's the approach that I tried to take with the books, try to paint the picture of if you got sucked back in and you're witnessing, you're, you're seeing this stuff. And Yeah. Well, wow. in the beginning, when you're going down these rabbit holes, you're only going down these rabbit holes due to history. You're not seeing any of this. You're not watching any vintage baseball. You, you've got nothing but books and articles and, and all of that stuff. What kind of a baseball fan were you, <laughs> were you before this started? Okay, so before I started with the book, I had been playing vintage for about, I want to say four or five years. Okay. I'd ran a team. Uh, of course, you watch the World Series. Uh, I mean, you know, get addicted to playoff baseball no matter who's in, in because of the, you know, just the action, the tension. Um, the hardest thing about it, believe it or not, was putting down playing vintage. I was having to make the sacrifice of time. And saying, okay, you know, I'm digging for all this important stuff and trying to put our state on the map and I can't play. And it's like, okay, I can't be two places at once. This is digitized. And I'm like, I'm having to make all kinds of excuses and ruining friendships left and right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like friendship sabotage. And I felt bad about it because I loved playing vintage. Uh, when, the, when the associations and the friendships are good, vintage is, there's nothing that can beat it. Nothing. There's mm -hmm. nothing in the world that beats vintage. When the, when the associations are good, everyone comes together and you keep it pure. <laughs> then, man, it's magic, dude. Yeah. No, you're right. When things go wrong. Man, things go wrong. And so I really felt bad about having to say, okay, I really got to put it down. And yeah, so... I was just surrounded by it and I had to build a library too. Like my own personal library, I went out and purchased stuff to read and, and 
notate and stuff. I've got over 55 volumes, including several like encyclopedias and other references from Saberworks on my own personal, this is my own personal baseball library that was just assembled to do just, you know, this tiny little guy. When is the sequel coming out? Uh, Arizona baseball, uh, uh, part two. Okay. So a little teaser because my publisher has been asking and I'm working on something that revolves around just the military. We're going to focus on the military because you guys are uh, we're interested in that, but yeah. we're bringing in specifically coaches, the Indian chief coaches, because it's a big story that's popped up in true West magazine. And I'm going to try to dig in to see if coaches, cause I've got a line, some personal records from for Bowie. That like it's the good stuff. Wow. I suspect, I suspect that the story is true. That Gerard, uh, Cochise was actually at a Christmas baseball game in 1874. Oh, at Fort Bowie. Two things we've broken tonight. Uh, the, <laughs> v- wow. uh, the VBBA conference in Fort Myers, Florida, in 2024, and Cochise playing in a Christmas. Vintage baseball, baseball game. game. Uh, yeah, 1974. You, you get all the information right here on Roller Earth Borough. We've got all of it. <laughs> uh, Darren, let's take this opportunity. Uh, by the way, you are the father of the reincarnation of vintage baseball in Arizona. You shouldn't lose yeah. any friendships because, <laughs> yeah. because life changes. I mean, look. It does. I don't play vintage baseball anymore. Yeah, uh, it does. And it evolved, yeah, I mean, I, I've aged out. But I still make stuff. You look like you're 35. (laughs) Well, but I still make stuff. You know, I still make baseballs. I still do lemon peels on a on a small, small quantity basis because the quality stuff that I do is they're bulletproof, man. The stuff I'm putting together, and yeah, I blow my own arm, but I use heavy grade materials. I use heavier grade leather, like four to five, sometimes even five to six. Yes. Which is like it's you can feel it. It's like it so, is. yeah. Life does change. It really does, and I, I, I do. I'm, I am going to agree with you. Life does change. It really does, and it's okay to change, you know. And yeah, I've offered to you know to come back as an umpire because I think that's where I can actually help the game is to teach other people mm-hmm. and educate them correctly. Cause I've done enough reading and research that yeah, I really know what's what. And, yeah. You get yeah, to become, be yeah, you get to become the person you wish you had when yeah. you found, when you stumbled across the VBBA yeah. website. That's exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's what I'm trying to reinsert myself as like, look, I may not play anymore, but I, 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 I like to lend a voice when it comes to correctness of uniforms because mm-hmm. it does matter uh just the the authenticity of the equipment that matters too you know and then trying to encourage people to yeah come on out and play come out and give it a try uh because out here it gets hard to p- recruit people you know and then to keep it going and and so sometimes yeah we do and i remember that you know the guys in the military were just out in their shirt sleeves mm-hmm. 
So that's the reason why we have a base rule of just a pair of, you know, of Dickies, you know, maybe Dickies and a roll up white shirt, like, cause that's all they were using way out on the territory. That's all they had. You know, we're, we have to remember that. And so I try to push that to say, look, yeah, we were, Arizona was very isolated until the development of the railroad really took off. And that wasn't for a while. So yeah, the things change, you know, and then back in the day, I remember writing it. I just, yeah, I'm never going to get this done because it seemed like the research and everything was stretching on forever that I had to make a decision about how I was spending my time. And I just kind of turned into a hermit. And then you got married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, I have a quick question. Like, I maybe I missed this and I apologize. When was the very first game of uh, the very first vintage baseball game? The uh, Like, when you finally got it together, you got enough people out there. When was that? What was that like? Oh, we were out in uh, Sun City West with okay. a great group of people, retirees. Okay. And I remember, I hope he's still around. His name's Herb Clark. He's from St. Louis area, St. Charles, Missouri. And he grabbed a group of his friends. And I think we had our first actual, like, official game out at the Liberty Field at Sun City West. And it was in November of 2008. I want to say it was like the 10th or the 11th. And it was a very early team I had put together, uh, the bees from honoring my hometown of Bisbee. You know, I had dark blue uniforms, the white trim, you know, and versus the Sun City West Black Stock. We went 15 innings to a tie. (gasps) (laughs) We dragged it out. It was a slug fest. Um, yeah, it was back and forth, back and forth. A lot of great defense. And after 15 innings, we're both looking at each other like, well, do you want to keep just keep going? And they're like, we're tired. You're tired. We're all just going to call it a tie. So we had to call it a tie and went, and went uh, to the clubhouse and uh, shared beer. That's afterwards. awesome. Spectacular. Uh, it was a lot of fun. 15 inning tie for the very yeah, first reincarnation tie. game. Yeah. That's tough. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we had a full house too. Oh, we did. They had you know nice stands out there. I swear, I the stands were full, and they, even the the area back behind uh, with their had a full concession stand, and the PA was going. I mean, it was like, yeah, it was a it was a scene when it got into it the extra scene. innings. When it got into the extra innings, were the spectators into it, waiting for a winner, or do you think maybe you should have just threw a run to the other team and ended it? They, they, oh, it, it got rabid because <laughs> let me tell you something. I mean, I love the people out in Sun City West, but they all drink. They all drinkers, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, they show up in golf carts and, and a lot of them, oh, yeah, there was a lot. You could smell, you could smell the wine coolers from behind home plate. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it got rowdy. They weren't expecting anybody to concede. No, no, no. They wanted us to fight it out to the finish. <laughs> I mean, I think they were expecting to drag a couple people off the field. You know, they were just expecting us to finish it. And then we were just like, no, no, no I'm like, I don't think any one of us wanted to go any further. I don't know. I think that was how it was supposed to have ended. Is in a tie. Totally. 
You mentioned earlier that you're still making balls. Now, I know everybody that's listening to this episode just perked up when they heard that because there's one thing that vintage baseball players like to do is try on a new ball for size. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's constant, and there's constant talk about balls. So yeah. you're going to have people contacting you to try to get yeah. a ball from you. How do you want them to contact you? Okay, so you got to go through Facebook Messenger. Uh, I'm, I am working on a website and more of a e-commerce stuff that's more streamlined. Uh, but yeah, contact me through Facebook. That's the best way to get a hold of me. And uh, I'm sure people will be contacting you about your balls uh, very <laughs> soon. Hey, Darren, we're going to go ahead and take that break. Uh, we got okay. a news break coming up, and Darren's going to go hook up a guitar for us. So, yeah. <laughs> Which one should I do, though? I mean, because i got a slang guitar here. Oh! <gasps> I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll look that one up. Yeah, I'll, I'll get my white fang out. I haven't brought my white fang out, so yeah. All right, I'll be right back. All right, and while he's gone, we're gonna play this uh, news break from Jonathan Macklin and Rudy. You're not gonna hear it. I'm sorry. Eventually, we'll get technology underway. But we got some intro music here for Jonathan this week that you didn't hear, and here he is. News break for Wednesday, June 2nd, 1869. I'm Jonathan McLean. Dateline, Cincinnati. The Red Stockings have had a busy year so far. Today, they defeated the Independent Baseball Club of Mansfield by a final score of 48 to 14. Around 500 spectators were treated to a two-hour, 55-minute game that seemed over from the start. George Wright led the Red Legs as he and his squad put up 16 runs in the second inning alone. Two weeks earlier, on May 16th, the Reds played the Antioch College Club. Reports had that the Antioch boys represented themselves very well in their all-gray uniforms with an old English A on the front. Mr. Birch's pitching was very swift, and their defense was very strong. They are considered the strongest amateur team in the entire state of Ohio, save for maybe the Forest City Baseball Club of Cleveland. The Cincinnati hitting was described as being poor on this day, but in the end, the college boys couldn't be the flies in the ointment or the monkeys in the wrench. Final score, Cincinnati 41, Antioch 7. I'm Jonathan McLean, and this has been your Roller Out the Barrel News Break. All right, that was Jonathan McLean. And uh, I just want everybody to know that that listens to these news breaks. All of the information that Jonathan puts on these news breaks is historically accurate. He's not making anything yeah. up. So although you might look at it as a, uh, a a segment that you didn't know was historically accurate, now you can go back and listen to them because those are all accurate facts with uh, Bruce Willis Easter eggs in every episode. Uh, so Rudy, you heard it. I don't know why. I, I heard it. It was great. Oh my gosh. Jonathan Macklin is an artiste. Let me tell you that. Well, he's amazing. And, uh, I'm, if you don't know who Jonathan Macklin is, uh, then you're not in the Midwest. I think that's how we go on that. Hey, as we're, as we're waiting for Darren to finish up his, uh, his setup of uh, his musical instrument playing that he's going to do for us. Uh, I wanted to hit something to see why can't you hear this? Can you not hear this? I can't hear that. 
It's just the button next to it. I don't understand. Why would one button... I... Nothing? It... Nope. That's crazy to me. How am I supposed to figure that out? Did you hear the music intro to the Jonathan... No. No. You just... <laughs> I promise you I'm not gaslighting you. It'd be like, I just can't hear it. That's uh, that's nuts. I'm going to have to check out what the file is on that stuff. Anyway, uh, enough ch ch chat about that. Uh, Darren, just give us a thumbs up when you're ready, whenever you're ready uh, to Oh, you're ready to go. Uh, so now we're going to learn more about Darren on a personal level. And when you go to Darren's Facebook page, you see a lot of guitar references. Obviously, he can play. Uh, and we're going to have him play the theme to every 90s baseball movie ever played. Darren, begin. Every 90s baseball movie. Right. <laughs> right. Well, let's, uh, let's have you take a little strum of the guitar, if that's a term anymore. And so I can make sure that this isn't going to blow everybody's ears off. I'm waiting for the Back to the Future. Oh, that's uh, Rudy, how's that coming through on your end? Uh, that sounded. I'm, I'm gonna unmute myself. I it sounded pretty good, but yeah, let me I'm getting, let me just make I'm sure. I'm getting that... garbly. I'm getting garbly. You're getting garbly. Okay. Isn't it weird on. how we get two different audios on this thing? Well. So we're gonna have Darren play something on the guitar and on the on the podcast version, you're gonna hear some garble. But when you go to the YouTube version of the interview, you're gonna hear it perfectly. And that means I have to watch an episode of my own show on YouTube this week. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, what are you gonna play? Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm not hearing anything. I don't hear anything anymore. Do I got you? nothing. Okay. <laughs> I think... You know, Rudy, there's a running theme on this show. If you go back in the archives, is every time I try to have somebody play a musical instrument that they're they're good at, uh, it goes totally wrong. And <laughs> so all I heard was Charlie Brown's teacher talking to him. <laughs> oh, you heard you. Wah, 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 wah. It, that, yeah, that's no, it. Uh, My favorite. I it, it did. It was coming through kind of. And then it went real silent for a little bit. Oh, and then no. it was just we're like, uh, I want feedback. it's <laughs> yeah. I think you should have went acoustic. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we appreciate you trying. 
and so we're not so good at this thing so we don't even know what to do to fix no, all that i'm in the but, credit i'm in the credit the good people with epiphone oh look at that the white thing this is a george thurgood's one of his stage guitars oh an actual now, this thing will rattle the house because i've got a, a bigger tube amp and it just it will shake the rafters Wow. Is this an actual yeah. George Thorogood guitar or just like the same model that he would use? So Epiphone in 20, 2018, they did a limited run of his stage guitars, his White Fang, the white one he uses on stage. Because what happened was is that he was actually... He would go on stage with these old guitars, you know, Gibson ES 125s. And he would, I mean, he just beat the crap out of them, right? And the Gibson ES 125, it's a thin line, it's a student model guitar. And so eventually he went to Epiphone and they approached him and said, Yeah, I actually need a different stage guitar. And they actually made this for him. And there's been so much interest that they did a short run, very short run. Uh, so I actually picked up the guitar from uh, Milano's, who I'm repping with the shirt, Sight Unseen, which I never buy a guitar Sight Unseen. It's like, it's bad. you're asking for bad mojo. Uh-huh. Uh, and so it's been a killer guitar. It, uh, I like the pickups. I like, you know, just like everything about it. It has a different feel to it. But the right amplifier, and this is only just a, I love this little honeytone amp. It does so much in a tiny little package. Like it's only a five watt amp with a one and a half inch speaker. Oh. And you can run it off a nine volt battery. Oh, nice. I know. Wow. And I picked it up for like Amazon for like 26 bucks. And it's a $45 amp. Nice. So I got I got a heck of a deal on it. It's like it sounds great. So Why? I made all the crap out of it. So I mean, uh, folks, if you're listening on the podcast, check out the YouTube page so you can see this uh, this beautiful uh, guitar. Um, my my wife, uh, well, my father-in-law is a is a uh, like you know uh, uh, an amateur bluegrass musician, and my my nice. wife's grandfather is a, a like a, an accomplished banjo player. So that whole side of the family is very musical, and then there's me. I can't carry anything, let alone a tune, you know, so like I just admire it. And so, yeah, it's, oh, it's exciting. Let me ask you this question. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. I'm sorry. Mount Rushmore guitarist go for you. What are you just going to ruin? Are you just going to ruin the end? I got to take this question out of the, giving them the old pepper. Well, we're just you, gonna. This was gonna be. The, wait a second. You don't. You 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 replan giving him the old pepper. <laughs> All right. You know what? You well, get. Let me, no. well, let me cross that off, and we'll talk about no. it right now. Did let you me see cross the pain it. that came across his face? Let's let the man think about it. This. All that, right. You study now. <laughs> okay, I gotta write. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Okay, I'm going to split between two regular guys and then two slide guys. Okay, fair enough. Obviously, in my opinion, the the pinnacle of the mountain is Steve Ray Vaughn. Okay. Hands down. I've then, seen, I saw him play here in Arizona uh, when I was about 12. Caught him at 
the Arizona State Fair. I'd never seen anything like it. I'd never seen anybody do that with a guitar, with his fingers. I mean, it was just mesmerizing. My right behind my, him in a close second. What you don't have to you don't have to save the list for uh, the old ah, heifer. No, 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 no. He can go right now. Rudy, you've oh, already oh. ruined it. You've <laughs> ruined it. So, I'm a ruiner. <laughs> so Darren okay. can go ahead with his Mount Rushmore right now. It's not gonna take he knows guitar players. It's not gonna take I, I know. Long. It's not gonna take you long. Right behind you is Jimmy Page. Okay. The the man, the myth, the legend, Jimmy Page. Uh, does so much he can do everything you know very versatile uh number three mississippi fred mcdowell for me uh he categorizes a lot of kind of the very early just gospel blues fusion for me uh very good acoustically his electric stuff's great uh all in all, you know, foundational kind of a guy. Uh, and honestly, here's one other dude that he's a modern guy that kind of pays homage to a lot of the older players. What was it? Uh, Rev Payton. Rev Payton. Guy named Rev Payton. He's part of Rev Payton's big damn band. And he's from the Bloomington, Indiana area. Okay. Wonderful slide guitar player. He plays in, in the style of like Sunhouse and Charlie Patton. That's a mountain that of stuff. a man. He's, he, he's a big boy. Seen him several times. Whenever you go to his shows, one, the ticket prices are usually low. But two, you're going to get every penny's worth because he just he'll blow you away with stage presence, energy, uh, how he plays the guitar. And then he does a lot of original writing that's pretty darn good. And he's got a podcast. Hard times and weirdness that is flat out awesome. So yeah, Rev Payton. Darren, can you, you tell just... everybody can you tell everybody what you mean when you say a slide guitarist? So what I mean by slide guitar is have you ever seen a guy and they've got a tube of glass or metal on one of their fingers and they use it to kind of glide up and down on the top of the strings. And it sounds different and rudely broke into America because of Hawaiian music. The lap steel from Hawaii was very popular in the twenties. So guys on the plantation in the South start picking it up saying, Hey, that sounds pretty cool. I wonder if I could use a broken piece of glass, like a bottle or a bottleneck to make the same sound. But yeah, it's used to kind of bend and it's almost like a movable fret. Yeah. A slide is a movable fret. So you have a lot of tonal range and and fluid movement with notes that the slide technique is the closest a guitar player can get to being able to replicate the human voice and being able to change pitch you mean like how richie sambor blows into that tube uh for that one bon jovi song is that is that <laughs> what comes in second <laughs> yeah it's been around a lot longer let me, <laughs> you know, let me ask you how do you how do you feel about phil collin the lead guitarist for def leppard i noticed he wasn't on your list uh. <laughs> <laughs> any thoughts on vivian campbell the backup guitar player on def leppard any go ahead with your thoughts 
when love and hate collide by Def Leppard, uh, banger. Okay, uh, Rudy, Rudy, who's your favorite? Down. I hate it. Who's your favorite guitar player, Rudy? Because we're going to agree favorite? on this. Your favorite guitar player, Rudy, and then we're going to get Darren's thoughts on who we both say. Because we're going to agree. You and I are going to agree on this. We're going to agree on this. I, I think I don't think I don't think we're gonna agree. You don't think my, we're gonna my, agree? I my favorite guitar hit player is Prince. Yeah, it's Prince. Okay, that's okay. solid. Uh, Prince no, no, is no, the I'll greatest guitar Prince player of all like... time. No, he's not. No, he is. <laughs> he's one of the greatest uh... musicians. <laughs> very, very true. true. Very good very guitar true. player, but for me, I look at more of his composition stuff. Yeah, sure, there are better people technically, and and. I think to me, Prince is the probably one of the best musicians because yeah. he could do a lot more than just guitar work. Yeah. And that's where he excels. At least that in my mind, he excels on everything he did. So good. Ridiculous. I, that was, that was nerve wracking for me, Barrow. That was a true test of friendship right there. I was uh, like worried you were going to say like, no. you brought up Richie Sambora. I got nervous. <laughs> when, when Prince plays my guitar gently weeps at the George uh, Harrison tribute concert, I've never been touched emotionally more by a guitar performance. And when Prince is playing at the halftime of the Super Bowl and it's raining and they ask him, is there anything that we can do? Is there anything that we can do to, to help you with all of this rain and everything? And his answer was, can you make it rain harder? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, a guitar yeah. player. <laughs> you, yeah, you know, yeah, he's asking for the thunder right there. That's, that's what a great does. Yeah. He's like, okay, no, no, no. Get, feed me more. You know, like the Marshawn yeah. Lynch. Feed me more. Yeah. That's what the greats do. You're like, no, no, no. You know, kind of like the rock, standing in the middle of the ring. Bring it, jabroni. Just your, <laughs> your face. You know, give it to me. Come on, hit me with it. it. It's funny. I had I had an emotional moment at the Buddy Guy concert about thirteen some years ago. Buddy. I don't. I, I like about Buddy. I liked oh. Buddy. Like uh, when uh, he did "Feels Like Rain." I was like, oh, whoa! It was an intense moment. But you know, I did want to take a moment. You yeah. chose a hobby, another hobby in your life that. Um, Gonna put these babies to danger here. These uh, these fingers. Yeah. Uh, did it ever happen where you're like, oh, or was that a constant fear? Like, did you make sure that every ball was caught, hands wide open, ready to go? Any mechanical injuries? Oh gosh, I've been dinged up more than I care to admit. I mean, I've had. Oh, gosh, I have broken fingers catching. Overhand 1884 game up at Fort Verde. Jeez. We were doing an overhand game. Uh, How long were you on the shelf before you could play again? Good three months. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's still. It's a special one. Look at that. Yeah. Hey, you got one. <laughs> it was a pass ball. I went to, went to go get it. I, I still slid over, and it was a rough parade ground uh, that's oh. for cavalry. And not only did it sh cut through the right leg because I've got that laceration, like laceration scar, on my right yeah. below my right knee, I bled into my sock like freaking Kurt Schilling was <laughs> a four World Series. I still finished the game because we didn't have anybody else. My leg yeah, was numb. Did. I didn't finish. I didn't feel a dang thing. 
Is your sock in the Hall of Fame? Darren, is your be. sock in it's, the Hall of Fame? It should be. <laughs> <laughs> there was a vintage Hall of Fame, I swear. That, yeah, that, that yeah. Uh, in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> another guitar performance that touched me emotionally, Def Leppard, uh, MSU Breslin Center, Making Love Like a Man. Uh, Darren? <laughs> <laughs> in my time of dying, Led Zeppelin, but the it was the, the new concert at the O2 Arena. To see Jimmy Page, you know, he has 80,000 people spellbound as he's playing slide guitar on a huge Gibson all body. I believe the uh, best I believe the best slide guitar performance ever in a movie is Jeff Healy in Roadhouse. Am I wrong on that? You are not wrong. You are dead right. <laughs> There's a lot of right with that movie. Jeff and Jeff Healy. Healy is at the top of the list. <laughs> and they put him in there. I'm like, oh my God. They use they use the real guy and then just let him do his thing. I'm like, holy shit. There's no way they would Jeff need of even even for the the least behaving crowd, you don't need to put a fence up in front of Jeff Healy. No one's going to mess with him. Unbelievable that they would actually put that in the movie. Everyone's going to yeah. listen to him and leave him alone. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah, that was Jeff Healy. <laughs> uh, I have to say I was saddened when Jeff Beck died. Yeah. Uh, like I don't, suddenly. Yeah, uh, I don't Very know a suddenly. lot about Jeff Beck, uh, except, uh, and sadly, I know you're up, everyone's going to be upset by that. Uh, Jeff Beck just never came into my life except award show time because he was always winning stuff. But uh, I'm sad. He, I'm sorry. He did some stuff with Buddy. Uh, uh, check out his take with Buddy on Mustang Sally. A tune called Mustang Sally. It's a rework of the Wilson Pickett tune. Yeah, screaming, I mean, scorching guitar that will melt the wax in your ears. Much like when Taylor Swift joined Def Leppard on a rendition of Pour Some Sugar on Me. Oh, uh, you know, what was better, <laughs> right? Pop star of the rock band. No, 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 I'm going to do you one better. Lady Gaga with Metallica. Well, I think it was at, at one of the award shows. Lady it was at the Grammys uh, a few years ago in 2019. I am Lady a, Gaga and Metal the mighty Metallica. You cannot go wrong with wow. that combo. I don't think so because I love Metallica and I'm a huge Gaga fan. You uh, yeah. you're a Gaga? You Gaga does no wrong. I love the Gaga. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they 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 filmed a lot of the production of it and put it up on YouTube on uh, Metallica's YouTube channel like a rockumentary. Yeah. Check it out dude. <laughs> it's great footage. There oh. is uh uh, there is a band. I, I don't want to call them a band, but you know, I listen to two cellos cause I love two cellos, even though they mm-hmm. have, uh, they have broken up and don't exist anymore. Uh, but sure. th- there is another band out there that does the same kind of thing and they do all metallic. I think they're from like Sweden or Finland or something like that. And it's, yeah. and it's all Metallica and it's amazing. I love it. And I wish it's I could pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Nice. I wish I could tell you more, but I can only tell you how good Phil Collin was on Photograph. <laughs> Def Leppard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Darren, we're going to get you out of here, but uh, before, okay. we go, before we go, sure. we're going to give you the old pepper that has one less question on it because Rudy ruined it. Uh, <laughs> if you've ever listened to an episode and actually gone all the way through, this is how we end the episode with people. It's quick questions with quick answers. 
And, okay. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Rudy probably can't. Nobody can hear this music probably, but it's playing. Uh, we're gonna start off, Darren, with you naming an overrated guitar player. Don't you dare say Phil Collin. I will. I will turn this car around. <laughs> Name an overrated guitar player. <laughs> Joe Bonamassa. Uh, what is the best? I can kick his ass. Oh. <laughs> All right. Put me up on stage with my slide guitar and it's over. <laughs> what is the best Mexican restaurant in Mesa, Arizona? I'll do you one better. I'll do it in Arizona. It's the original El Chato in Tucson, Arizona. Started in the same house in 1927. Bang. It's the best one in the state. I noticed you don't like to talk about Mesa, but you talk about Tucson a lot. Do you not live in Mesa anymore? In Mesa. Okay. In Mesa. <laughs> I do live in Mesa. In Mesa, probably the best one is a little tiny place. It's next to Milano's. It's a little tiny place called Mango's. Fantastic people. The, bur the burritos are stunning. Everything about that, the menu is great. And the prices, even better. By the way, Def Leppard on the soundtrack for Last Action Hero and Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, vehicle. Uh, <laughs> was uh, was Stevie Ray Vaughan ever on the soundtrack for an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? I'm just asking, <laughs> asking for a friend. He didn't didn't need to be. Well, uh, when you're when you're considered the blues messiah, you don't need to be. We'll agree to disagree. Uh, name one of your <laughs> name one of your favorite scary movies. Ooh, favorite scary movies would have to be the original Frankenstein's Boris Karloff. Uh, who was the girl? You don't have to give us the full name, but tell us, tell us the name of the first kiss. I gotta remember that far back. Been a long time ago, and I got a concussion history. <laughs> you don't remember? Just so uh, uh, I was a young lady when I went away to trade school. Uh, name is Michelle. Uh, you're going to have a dream Douglas. about Michelle tonight. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, on, a, on a scale of one to ten, one, one being the most pleasant, ten being the most unpleasant, what is the humidity <laughs> like in the crotchal region during a vintage baseball game in Arizona? <laughs> humidity reason? region? Okay. Uh, it's probably going to be... Hmm, three maybe four pretty dry out here what what is uh the pizza situation in arizona <laughs> okay so there's a lot of people from either chicago or new york and you got to choose between the two it's either chicago or new york you can't go down the middle and we all know what the right answer is don't we yes new york <laughs> I want to be able to fold my pizza, not swim in it. Sorry. Yeah, I don't need to, you know, bring on a knife and a fork yeah. or a welding torch or hammer and chisel. <laughs> yes. uh, Darren or John, as the government calls you, what was the first <laughs> concert you ever went to? This is this is a great one. This is such a great one. It was actually Blues Traveler. Yes. I was yeah, so John hoping. Popper. I was so hoping you were going to say Def yeah. Leppard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Leopard. What's this pick with Def Leopard? No, I just was hoping as a you know to go full circle for you to just say, oh my god, it was Def Leopard. No. <laughs> Actually, uh Blues Traveler, probably uh, a good concert. He he was good he was with uh, Lenny Kravitz. As Blues Traveler Whoa. and Lenny Kravitz as a twin bell. Did you know Lenny? I remember Kravitz? going all the way out to West, like West Phoenix, 
it was hotter than freaking hell. It was like 100 and 116. <laughs> yeah, it, oh, blistering hot. Stayed for the whole show. Ugh. Lenny Kravitz, great. his mom was on the Jeffersons. Does Good everybody problem. know that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I did not know that. And his daughter is Catwoman. There you go. Uh, <laughs> there you go. What was the first car you ever had? Uh, my first car was a 66 Ford Mustang. Oh, jeez. Who gave, oh, who gave C- you C- that? Who gave it to me? Yeah, who gave you that? <laughs> it wasn't given to me. I had to work for that. <laughs> Dang. As a first uh, car. I had, oh. I had a deal with my dad that I put up half the money and he put a half. And then I was responsible for a lot of the mechanics. Like, nope, got to change everything. Do my own brakes. Tune. Get the carburetor going. I was responsible for insurance and gas. So, yeah. Jeez. Uh, Darren, how I many... was a responsible kid, but I had a cool car. Yeah. <laughs> sure. How many squirrels would it take to kill a moose? Are they armed? No. I have no idea. At least a thousand. Um, where did... army of those little bastards. Are you... Uh, I know that you got married. Did you get divorced? <laughs> no, not to my collection. No, you're still <laughs> At least not yet. You're still married. Okay, well, At least not yet. <laughs> I just I, I wanted to make sure that you were still married. I'm going to ask yeah. you: Where did you take your wife on your first date? We went to. He's angling so bad, isn't he? In, in Mesa. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like oh, I took out to dinner at uh, the keg, a nice steakhouse called the Keg. And uh, and we thank you for being on the show. Last question is: yeah. uh, What is your Mount Rushmore of Def Leppard songs? Go on. It's been blown up. <laughs> Def Leppard tunes. Oh goodness gracious. Uh, Armageddon it. Uh, that's one for you. Uh, I'm sure you were a huge oh, photograph. Isn't too bad. Listen Rock of Ages. Uh, of course, Hysteria. The previously mentioned two steps behind in the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Jeez. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, Darren, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you guys. Uh, yeah. You you've moved up to after authoring and playing vintage baseball. Uh, I really hope you get into the umpiring that you alluded yeah. to being interested in. Uh, baseball, vintage baseball loves you. And I'm sure of it because you've been requested to be on the show that the Arizona territory. I, I like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to tell you about it. I found that to be surprising. It is It is a true statement. I, I <laughs> never, I never BS. Uh, and you are thought of highly by the people. Oh, that I talk to anyway. And, no, thank uh, you. <laughs> and thank you uh, those, those people that who may have been misled. <laughs> so, uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. And once again, if they want to, uh, get a hold of you to get some, you got really passionate talking about your balls and how <laughs> yeah. and the craftsmanship and the different materials and, and the love is still there, Darren. The baseball love you have inside, it's still there. We saw it it's come out. There. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
I, I almost broke down and cried like last Christmas. I was trying to get a uh, Abbotsfield Flannels did the uh, their their line of the the vintage sweaters. Oh yeah, like yeah. the Giants, the Tigers, the the Philadelphia Athletics, and I yeah on a website glitch missed out on one, and ah, oh, it's still right here. You know, here we are. You know, early March, and I'm still still feeling it. So, do you have it in yeah. your? Your searches in your filters for eBay. Well, of course. Okay. <laughs> it's a safe search. I'm getting email <laughs> alerts for everything. Yeah, I'm I'm searching high and low. Somebody finds one of those sweaters, get a hold of Darren. Uh Darren, exactly. you were yes. great. Uh uh thanks for uh gracing us with your presence and uh, i'm sorry the guitar yeah. segment did not come out but that's, <laughs> that's about, okay that's about par for my course as <laughs> i've had many a guitar and piano segment go terribly wrong in fact it's almost fun for me at this point uh, uh, uh rudy rudy go ahead and say what you got to say and get us out of here oh friends for darren and the barrel roller i'm the swamp fox and We'll see it as well. Oh, sorry. I got, I got, whip, is this I got, the first time you've done this? 183 yeah, got, episodes. I was, starting, Rudy, I was waxing nostalgic about everything. And then I was thinking about how we could have the roller out the barrel musical segment and it could just be silence. <laughs> That's and what then, it is. It's Charlie. Well, you have to cut to the YouTube. Yeah. Cut to the video. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I apologize. You know, this has been a treat, friends. All right. It uh, the spring is coming, especially here in the Midwest. Don't yeah. worry, the warmer days are around the corner. We want to tell you to keep it station to station, and we'll see you out in the field. Long live the leopard. <laughs>